words that cause us to have to change, things that tell us we should be growing up by now in the spiritual things. And so those greens are what I kind of want to bring to you today. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're ready for some greens. I'm going to ask them to put me a timer on the back wall because you all need the hope that the English chick has a timer, right? You want to know that you can get out of here on time for some actual greens and maybe some candy. I want to share with you from a journey that I have been on and I took my children um, and my husband and I were away in one of our favorite parts of the world um, a few months back and we were in Africa where we do a lot of work and we were out there in one of the projects that we have been involved in for several years now. And after that project and seeing that project, we took our children on safari, which is one of my most favorite things to do in the whole world. And so we took our kids for the first time with us. And while we were on safari, I was aware of our spending time in two different places. And those two different places I am going to define for you as far as the church goes. But for me, the awareness of these two places happened on safari because at night... We would go and we would put our children, our most prized, precious children, inside a tent, okay, inside canvas. And it wasn't very thick and it wasn't very sturdy and it wasn't very protective, but we would lay our children inside the tent at night. And then we would all lay there in the night and in the middle of the night, we would hear a cat. And I'm not talking about your neighborhood tomcat. I'm talking about the big cats that live in Africa, the ones that don't meow, but they roar. And I would have my children inside that small canvas, and I would hear this roar that would remind me that right outside of this flimsy canvas was creation and vastness. And I remember in those moments when we would be on safari or we go out in the safari truck and we would be canvas windows in the safari truck and within reaching distance would be an elephant or would be a lion. And I was aware of these two elements so close together of this canvas and vastness. And when I came back to the local church where I do life and I build day in, day out, God began to speak to me about how these two elements were his nature and these two elements were his desire for us as believers. That we would understand that God is calling us to be part of a canvas, a house. He is calling us to be part of a body and a family. He's calling us to have a place where we belong and we dwell. But God is also the God of vastness and of the kingdom and of the world and of awe and of wonder. So God wants us to live our life spiritually aware of the canvas planted in the house, but also willing to go into the vastness of the world and make a difference in the world around us. God wants us to do both. But in the church, oftentimes what I have found is that Christians choose one or the other. They don't like both. And so what that looks like is we have those that love the canvas. They are almost like the canvas police. They like the church a certain way. They like it to start on time and finish on time. They like the sermons to be a certain way. They like it to be in order. They like the worship to have a certain set list. They even have preferred singers 
on the worship team. They like them to do it this way and not that way. They like the chairs to be this way. They like kids' church to be this way. They love the canvas. Don't mess with their canvas. Don't change it without their permission. And we live our life if we love canvas with our head inside the canvas, talking about the canvas, arguing over the canvas, rearranging the canvas, comparing our canvas to another canvas. And then there are those who are like, I don't really feel the Lord has called me to canvas. I feel I am more designed by the Lord for vastness. What does that mean, brother? It means the Spirit will lead me. And if he leads me to this church one week, so be it. And if he leads me over here another week, so be it. Because I just follow the vastness of the Lord. And if the vastness allows me and tells me you should stay in bed today, then who am I to not obey the vastness? And the vastness may mean I bring a word whether you want one or not. And the vastness may mean I bring my own tambourine to church and play it all by myself whether you want me in the band or not. Because I am anointed for vastness. And you canvas people do not understand me. Nor will you control me. So we have the extremes. And the more we lean to one... And away from the other, the more extreme our conversation becomes. The more we begin to kind of pick fault with the other. And so we have now, if you look across your nation in America, got all kinds of confusion going on about what it means to be the church, what it means to be planted, what it means to serve, what does it mean to be in the kingdom, what does it mean to be a servant of the Lord. And God's looking at the church going, it's really simple. I need you to have a home and I need you to be planted to bring the kingdom of God from earth on earth as it is in heaven. I need both. I I need you to understand both. You need family and you need faith. You need a belonging and you need to go out and be a blessing. I am the God of canvas and vastness. And so I want to help you today as a local church girl and my church may be at the other side of the ocean but it is God's church all over the earth and I know what I have discovered in the church is the same as you're going to discover in this church that there is often a tension we must manage of canvas and vastness and this morning some of you are going to be like whoa this is a little bit up in my business And I think God's like that. I think we would like God to stroke us, but sometimes God needs to give us a good slap and go, hey, I just need you to all to wake up and listen to what I want to say to you. I I need today to help you grow into all I'm calling you to grow into because immaturity makes a mockery of the church. But when we're willing to eat our greens and grow stronger, we're willing to build something that the world goes, I think the church have got this right. I think we can watch what they're doing and learn from it. So I want to take us to the story of a guy in the Bible who lived a life of canvas and vastness. He navigated these two things coming together. And as these two things collided in his world, it made him better, not worse. It made him bigger, not smaller. 
As he stepped into all that God had for him, but he didn't forsake all that God had already asked of him. See, a lot of us want the big call of God, but God knows if he was to give us it, we would forsake the things that God said, no, you need that in order to handle that. And so his name's Abraham. And Abraham, in so many ways at this point of the story, had a life that would seem small. He didn't even have his own children. He, 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 was, he was in a season, as it were, of barrenness. And maybe you feel your life is a little like that. Well, what difference can I make? And what do I contribute? And I feel so restricted and I feel so limited. But I'm telling you, God knows exactly the season of life you're in. And God is a God that will visit every limitation with his lavishness and with his vastness if you will allow it and recognize it when it comes. Abraham in Genesis 15 is in the canvas. He literally lived his life in a tent. That was his place of dwelling. And as he's in his tent, in his canvas, God shows up. And the first thing I want you to know about God is God does house calls. Hello. Some of you are trying to chase for a word. You're trying to, you're trying to run all over town to get the word over your life. You're trying to, you're trying to seek it here and seek it there. And you have failed to understand that God does house calls. God knows where you live. God knows how to get to you. He knows how to bring things to you. You don't need to help him out. (laughs) I have had the privilege in my life serving God to end up serving all over the planet. And I want you to know, I have no idea how that happened because I didn't go chasing it or trying to make it happen. I didn't have a business card. I didn't even have a website. I didn't have anything that if you were to do it the world's way, you would say, I need all of this. But I was faithful and I was planted and I was in my local church and I was serving and I had no agenda. Just like David said, zeal for his house consumed me and God by his grace, brought all those things to me. And Abraham was home, taking care of his house. And God comes and knocks on the canvas and says, Abraham, I I need you to step outside. And I need you to look up into the sky. And I need you to count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Because Abraham, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed. God didn't say to Abraham, Abraham, pack up your canvas, ditch your canvas, walk away from where you do life. I need you to go out and be all this stuff. He said, Abraham, I'm going to ask you just simply to take one step outside of where your vision is contained and look up. And I'm going to show you something about your future that is going to blow your mind. But here's what you need to know about God. He was going to show him the vastness. But where was the vastness going to be conceived? In the canvas. See, God wants to give us huge ideas. But God wants us to have a home in which they are birthed. God needs the intimacy and the accountability of a canvas in order for his vastness to be unloaded and unpacked. 
So many of us want to have an illegitimate birth when it comes to our destiny and our dreams. But God's like, I'm the God of home births. I'm not a God of disorder. I'm a God of order. You're asking me for finances? Show me where you planted. You're asking me to use you? Show me where you're accountable. You're asking me to make a difference through your life? Show me where you put your roots down so that you are flourishing in a local place. God is a God of order. And we might not like that about God, but God ain't about to change anytime soon. Hello. So I think the change he's expecting is on our end, not on his. It's God that changeth not us, not you us. Maybe you're treating God like Amazon. You go online, as it were, in your prayer life and in your devotional time. And you filled out a whole list of requests and desires and dreams. God, I want this and I want that and I want the other. And I want you to use my life and I want you to send me here. And you're forever out in the prayer line going, here I am, God, send me, send me again, send me again. (laughs) Send me anywhere but here, just send me. You're filling out your Amazon list for God and God has no problem with you asking for dreams and desires and asking for vastness, but... Just like Amazon, there's a box that you must fill in with God in order for vastness to be delivered. And if you were to go on Amazon today and fill out all the things you want them to send you, but fail to fill one box out, not one thing you requested would arrive. For unless you have the home address box filled out, Amazon ain't delivering nothing. They need you to have a place where they can send what you asked for. They need you to have a home address. But I think some of us think God will just follow us with our package. And we were here in this church last week, but now we're over here this week. And now we're nowhere the next week as if God's your personal delivery man. And God's like, no, I have no problem fulfilling these desires, but I need you to have a delivery place. I meet so many people that are striving, trying to make things happen, that if they just fill out the home delivery address box, God's like, I don't need you to stress or strive. I'm able to deliver this right to you, but you must be home long enough for that package to be unpacked in your life. We don't like being accountable, but God said we should be. We don't like being planted, but God said that's the only way you're going to flourish. God's a good father and he wants you to know, I want to bless you beyond measure, but I also want to make sure that when I bless you, it doesn't mess with you because you didn't have a place to belong. Abraham stepped out of the canvas, looked up into the vastness and then went back inside his canvas and conceived the miracle that God had promised. There are some ideas God wants to give you that will only be conceived in the canvas. There are some songs that are to be written that can only be conceived in the canvas. There's some ideas that God wants to put into your hands, but he needs you to have a place where you are actually belonging and therefore you can be a blessing. Abraham had canvas and vastness come together. The second thing you need to know about this whole canvas and vastness relationship is that it will cause seasons in your life 
where you kind of feel out of place. Have you ever felt out of place? You ever felt like, what's going on around here? You know, you used to meet in the old premises and you knew where to sit. And when you sat there, you knew who would sit next to you because you kind of had claimed that seat without saying it. And that side of the room was your side of the room and everybody knew it. No one messed with it. And you had an area where you served and everybody knew that was your area. So don't think about taking my area and even parked your car in the same spot every week. And you get a little annoyed if someone didn't realize that is my hello, moi's parking spot. And then your pastors just mess the whole thing up because they decide to build a building. Hello. And they didn't let you know that they hadn't put your seat where it always was. And now you don't know where to put your car. And now you're like, who are all these people up in my business, in my area? And I used to be on the worship team. And now there's too many people on the worship team. And I used to get to do this. And now I don't get to do that. And then I used to know so-and-so. Now nobody even knows my name. Hello. It's called vastness coming into the canvas. And we say we want it and we pray for it. But when it arrives, it's going to demand something from you that you got to be willing to give. It's called stretch. (laughs) It's called the willingness to be big enough to allow the vastness to create something around you that maybe will make something uncomfortable within you. I used to know everybody in my church. Now I'm like, hi, welcome. They're like, Thank you. I've been coming for five years and I'm the pastor. I should do better. But you realize when the church is growing, someone knows their name. Someone's looking after them. They're in a small group somewhere. They're plugged in somewhere. And you realize if we're going to grow something huge, we're all going to have to get used to the fact that maybe we don't know things like we used to know things. The best way I can describe it is this, that God has the box lid for this church. He has the big picture of what he's going to build in and through this community. And my daughter loves to do jigsaw puzzles. She loves them. And I'll often see her get a jigsaw puzzle and put the box lid on the dining room table. And she'll begin the process of making this puzzle work. And there's not one big piece that makes this puzzle work. There are many, many, many pieces. And I have never once seen my daughter put her hand in the box first time, pull out a piece and stick it right where it belongs in its place first time round. Never once. What I have more often seen happen is she pulls the piece out, puts it where she thinks it belongs. But the more pieces she adds, the more she realizes Well, it kind of fits there, but actually if I was to lift it up and put it over here, it actually fits there better. And the more the picture grows, the more the piece moves until it finally finds its place. But I have never once seen my daughter, when the piece does not fit where she thinks it should, take the piece out and go, well, no point keeping that. Because she knows at some point... I'm going to need that piece because it belongs in the big picture. So she holds onto it and she keeps moving it around until she finds exactly where it fits. And when you live your life with canvas and vastness, you have to remember my piece is not in question, but my place may move. 
My peace is not in question, but my place may move. I, in my church, I think have served in every single area. I was on the car park team for a while, but it was very cold in England to be on the car park team. So I was there a while, but I had a bad attitude. So eventually my peace needed to move. And then for a little season, I was in the kids' church, serving in the kids' church, and I was pretty good at that. And then I got asked if I'd go into the youth department and serve in the youth department, and I was terrible at that. I just got annoyed that I was picking up Pepsi cans and Coke cans all night. And, and I was like, I'm not your mother, but I'm feeling like I have to be. And so I didn't live long in the youth department. Clearly it was not my place. And I even got asked in my church to be on the worship team. Oh yes, I had arrived. They were like, we need you. I'm like, yes, I know you need me. And they said, you're passionate. And when you worship the church, you're inspired and you, you, you give it your all. I'm like, yes, I do. And so I served in that team for two years. I came early to every rehearsal. I learned all the lines to the songs. I had a great attitude. I gave my all. And two years later, someone showed up that was better than me. And their peace fit better in that place than my peace. And so I was moved to the side and then a little further to the side and then a little further to the side until I was completely off the stage. (laughs) And I can remember in that moment, I have a choice to either get offended that you just took my microphone off me or to realize all you're saying is as this picture gets bigger, I think your place is moving, but you still have a piece. Can I just tell you, if that's where you're at and where you're struggling, it was not until I was taken out of the worship team that I had a gap to fill in me of figuring out where I went next. And in that season, I wrote my first book. In that season, I began to preach the word of God. In that season, I came up with ideas that would shape the future of our church. Why? Because I needed to take the piece out where it didn't fit and allow God to take me into the next season of usefulness of where I was better placed. But if I'd have fought over my microphone, I would have still been there on the board. But everything attached around me would have felt uncomfortable. Because you know, and I know, I don't actually fit in the place I'm fighting to stay. Let me tell you something. When I left the worship team, one of them came and told me, Charlotte, do you know that for the two years you were on the worship team, we didn't once put volume in your microphone? Not once. They went, you looked awesome, but you sounded awful. So we just let you go for it in Jesus' name and pulled that sucker down so no one had to hear it in Jesus' name. You know what? I wasn't offended. I laughed because I was like, well, praise the Lord that someone had the brains to make me look better than I was. They all thought I sounded like your worship team. I sounded nothing like your worship team. But we get offended when someone asks us if we'd be willing to move our peace into a different place. Because to us, we've made our peace the whole. Instead of realizing that God has a vastness. And I'm just honored he would use me as a piece in this canvas. 
So don't feel out of place. Don't allow the enemy to tell you, you know what? No one sees your greatness here. So if I were you, I'd just take your peace out of the puzzle. If I were you, I'd just take your peace and find another place to put it in another house, in another canvas. You know, the enemy loves to begin to tell us that our peace would be better somewhere else because he knows that once you remove that peace from community, you're on your own. And it's no fun being on your own. So many people came through our worship team. We uh, got very well known for our worship in the UK for many years and still are and sing songs and write albums. But there was a season where I just realized people were getting this all the wrong way around and thinking that the record deal or the opportunity to perform was more important than the house that we were building and the big picture that we were seeing. And I saw so many people take a gift that God had given them and then pull it out of the picture that God was trying to place them in and remove themselves from community and then become a victim of a choice that actually isolated them from people that would have helped them in the season they were in. Let's not make choices that that are driven by striving and realize that God has a grace to keep using your peace if you're willing to keep moving your place. Lot was with Abraham and he was blessed because he was with Abraham and he was prospering because he was with Abraham. He had a peace in the big picture of the vastness of Abraham's life. But Lot said, I'm going to take my peace And I'm going to pitch my canvas next to a place called Sodom. And it didn't go well for Lot. Because he made a decision that removed his peace from the place God wanted him in. Don't confuse your blessing and your belonging. They are connected. Don't confuse the things that God is blessing your life with. As if it's just all for you and about you. But realize the blessing is attached to the belonging. That God says I'm going to do something through you. Because of the belonging you have chosen in you. Peace and place. Thirdly. You have to understand this about the relationship with canvas and vastness. That it's canvas's job to feed vastness. In Genesis 18, Abraham is still on this journey and he finds himself at the entrance to his tent. And let me just say as a side note, you need leadership who lives at the entrance of the tent. If you make leadership come inside the tent all the time to deal with fights in the tent, disputes in the tent, disagreements in the tent, then your leadership will end up with its head in the canvas. And it will miss all the passing vastness that God is trying to send to your house. What you need is leadership that helps manage the canvas. But then you need leadership that has a permission from you to keep an eye to the vastness. To say, God, I'm watching for what it is that you're bringing by our life as a church. I'm watching for the opportunity to go further and beyond. I'm looking for who we need to bring into the canvas to bless the house. I'm looking for the voices. I'm looking for the relationships. I'm looking for the missions. I'm looking for the outreach. You need leadership that lives like Abraham did at the entrance of the tent. Saying, my commitment to this canvas is to not let you become so small 
because your leadership doesn't watch out for vastness. So Abraham is doing exactly that. He's at the entrance to the tent. And because he's positioned at the entrance to the tent, he sees three visitors walking by the tent. And because he recognizes vastness, he realizes there's someone walking by our canvas today that I think has vastness in them that is to do with our destiny. And so Abraham, nobody else, runs towards these three visitors. And he says he falls at their feet. And he looks at them and he says, if I have found favor in your eyes, don't pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and then let me wash your feet and let you rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Very well, they answered. I have a feeling sometimes that God sends vastness by a lot of canvases. But because no one's at the entrance of the tent looking for it, no one's welcoming it into the doors of the church, it keeps on passing by. Sometimes we look at certain churches and we're like, why do they get all the opportunity? Why do they get all the blessing? God seems to want to do revival there. I don't think God is a respecter of persons. I think God is just looking for those who welcome vastness in. Those who are willing to say, in our house, we'll feed you. In our house, we'll serve you. In our house, we have food on the table for you. Vastness can be passing by at any time. But unless you have an eye to it, unless you are willing to welcome it, it will keep on moving until it finds someone that will invite it in. And so watch this. Abraham invites vastness. For dinner. Literally says, Hey, stop. Let me feed you. Let me give you water. Now, here's what you're not going to like, but here's what you need to see. After inviting vastness for dinner, Abraham runs into the canvas and shouts, Oi, Sarah, go bake some bread. <laughs> hey, you, go get the meat. Hey, you, go get the water. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Wait a minute. Abraham, you invited the vastness for dinner. You said, I'm going to get you something to eat. What's it to do with Sarah? What's it to do with the guy over there? Here's what you've got to understand. When vastness comes for dinner, it's all our guest. It's all our guest. Let me put it to you this way. When my son was five or six years of age, he would often say, Mom, can I bring my friend over for dinner after school? And I would say, sure you can. So his friend would come for dinner after school and they'd go play in the yard for a couple of hours. And then they would come in the house and they would both stand there and look at me as I'm on the sofa watching Netflix. And they would say, Mom, we're hungry. And I didn't turn around and look at the two five-year-olds and go, so? It's not my problem. I didn't look at my son and say, he's not my friend. Feed him yourself. You're five, get in the kitchen, figure it out. You want to invite him over? You have to cook for him. No, I wouldn't dream of doing that. Why? Because my son's guest is my guest. So when 
The pastor says, we're going to take an offering because we're going to do a new outreach. You can sit there and think, well, I don't need outreach. I'm saved. All my family is saved. We're all going to heaven. We're all good. So go ahead, pastor. You do it all by yourself. You say, you know what? That guest is coming in my house. So your guest is my guest. So where do I give? And how do I serve? And what should I show up for? I run a women's conference back in England. And by the grace of God and the hand of God, it's become this incredibly huge gathering where over 8,000 people gather. And our building can't contain it anymore. And we have to fill an arena in England, which is not ever seen in England. I remember having to come to my church and go, I had this great idea. (laughs) And it's ended up, we've got 8,000 plus guests coming. And my church could have sat there and folded their arms and go, well, that was your idea. It's not my idea. And I'd have to do it all myself, run it all myself volunteered it all myself but my church realized our pastor's guest the vastness she's invited into our house means i need to get up and serve the guest that has come to our house for dinner and when you understand that as a church you serve at whatever needs serving at you show up at whatever needs showing up at you don't serve at your thing Hello. Our, 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 our band serving the community. Our teaching team serving kids church if we need them to. Our, our car park team come in and put seats out. If we, In other words, whatever needs doing to feed vastness, we're all hands on deck in every area. Because your guest is my guest. And here's the great news. If you'll understand that It's your giving, it's your serving, it's your amen, it's your showing up that allows canvas to feed vastness. Then in return, what will happen is what happened for Sarah. Because in return, vastness will feed purpose. And after vastness, these three visitors had been fed. They lay down their plate of food and they asked a question. Where's Sarah? There's something we need to say over her life about the purpose that is on her life. And they began to speak over her, the expansion that God had placed already within her, the air and the future that she would birth Because when you feed vastness, vastness begins to speak over your purpose. Some of you, your purpose is way bigger than the small area you're doing life in. And the only way to find that out is to feed vastness and then allow it to feed in you the purposes of God. There is no reason in Christ to retire. There's no age limit on what God will see as useful in your life. God will keep speaking purpose in you and over you if you keep serving vastness through you. 
And the best way I can describe that is by telling you of someone in my life, as I close, that lived this message out in every part of her life. Her name was Gertrude Peacock. How English is that name? She spoke like the queen. She dressed like the queen. She had gray, silver hair. She always carried a little handbag. And Gertrude babysat me as a young kid in our church and watched me through every season until eventually I was Gertrude's pastor. And Gertrude died a few years ago at age 106. And Gertrude lived a full life because Gertrude understood canvas and vastness. She understood I'm on this planet and while I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to celebrate the vastness of what God is doing. So when the worship went from hymns to jumping up and down, Gertrude didn't complain because she's like, we need the vastness of this new sound for a generation to come in the house. When the volume went up and it wasn't quiet anymore, Gertrude said, I have no problem because now I don't even need to turn my hearing aid on to hear the Lord. Gertrude had an attitude that said, I'm going to keep feeding vastness. She would put money in the offering for the baby unit when she was in her 90s. She would put herself down to volunteer at the youth conference when she was 95. She was saying, I can't do as much as I used to, but I want to feed vastness. And that vastness kept her alive. Not just alive, but bright, her eyes wide open, a heart excited. There was no season in the church where Gertrude was retiring because the vastness kept feeding her. Keep praying for the young ones. Keep showing up and encouraging. Keep coming to church and serving because she realized she still had a role. When she was 95 years of age, Gertrude passed out at the youth conference in the mosh pit because she was down in the middle of all the crazy young people at 95 years of age and we had to call 911 and they put her on a stretcher and they laid her on the stretcher and put oxygen on her face and as she went past me on the stretcher I was about middle section down she saw me and she stopped them she lifted the oxygen mask up she looked at me she said carry on without me dear carry on without me and put the mask back on I was like oh for a thousand Gertrudes in the house that understand the bigness of God no retirement in the kingdom of God I don't care how old you are in here let the vastness of God feed your purpose you still have a young person to encourage you still have someone to come alongside your place may look different But it doesn't mean you don't have a part to play. Maybe you used to get up and preach. Maybe you used to get up and lead. But now your season is to be in the back, praying for the young couple, helping that person get plugged in, teaching in a membership class, coming alongside, baking cookies for the single parent. I don't know, but when you understand that God wants canvas and vastness together, you don't mind anymore where your peace is. It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through us all. And you as a church are called to vastness. Don't make your leaders be small. 
Don't ask them to get involved in stuff in the canvas that is just conflict and is a waste of our time. Be big enough as a church to say, whatever you see, we're willing to feed it. Whatever you want to invite over for dinner, we're all going to help serve it. Because when you have that attitude, I'm telling you, your church will grow. But not only will your church grow, you will grow. You will change. You will shift. You will enter seasons of productivity like never before. Because God trusts greatness into the hands of those who understand canvas and vastness. All across the room, stand to our feet. I told you today would be a greens message. My heart today is simply to be with you as a church and to build you up as a family of God into all that God has for you. And I don't know where this message finds you today. Maybe you would say, you know what? I have begun to take my peace out. I'm like off the board. I've disconnected from the family of God. I don't have a home address. And today I want to encourage you to come home. Make a change. Make a shift. Maybe you'd say, I, I, I don't have this relationship with God right in my life. If ever there was a picture of canvas and vastness, think about it. It's the cross. The vastness of heaven came to the canvas of our lives so that the two could be forever united. So today, maybe you need him as savior. Maybe you are a prodigal that needs to come home. Or maybe you just need to say, I'm choosing to belong. Eyes closed all across the room. If today in your heart you're saying, I'm responding, Charlotte, I, I know there's a shift in my heart today. Just put your hand on your heart. That's all you need to do. You're just signifying to God, there's a shift in me today. There's a change in me today. There's a coming home today. There's a filling in a box today. And everyone just repeat after me. Dear God. I thank you that you are vast, but you are so kind that you enter the canvas of our lives. And today I receive your vast love, forgiveness, peace, and the ability to try again. Today I come home to you. I belong to you. I ask you, Lord, to seal this decision today in my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for loving me, and for planning a vast future for me. Amen and amen. Love you, church.